0: In a uh, moment of absolute seriousness, I just want to give a trigger warning about this episode because yeah. it is entirely oh possible that- chop-shop. We're gonna butcher, we're gonna <laughs> <Richard> butcher <laughs> some Australian accents. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I may slip into some other white person accent, but I can guarantee you one thing, on next week's episode, We will not be doing accents, because that's going to be a completely different ballgame. But this is not a political correctness podcast. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 1, the season premiere of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen, so why shouldn't movie buffs, like us, decide who is recast in those iconic
1: roles? My name is... The Travmanian Devil. Yes. A.K.A. Travegemite Sandwich. Yes. A.K.A. The Dango H.O. Travis. <laughs> A.K.A. The Duck-Billed Travipus.
0: Oh, wow. That last one's amazing. Very nice. And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Crocodile Shondi, A.K.A. Shongaroo Jick. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. the <Belencho> Nanda. <laughs> We're also extremely excited to welcome back to the show, Chop Shop Regulator, Chow Sheila, a.k.a. Chow Sidney Harbour, a.k.a. Chow Shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> Further description of the show, the tagline says, Watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony.
2: On your bike, in an Australian accent.
0: (laughs) We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. That will bring us to our first segment, which is going to be movie news. And it was a little bit lighter week on movie news, but we do actually have three RIPs that we're going to report on this week. First, right off the top... Uh, 007 the OG 007 himself Sir Thomas Sean Connery has passed away at the age of 90 on Halloween in his sleep at home in the Bahamas no cause of death was given but his son Jason stated that his father had not been or had been unwell for some time so rest in peace and rest in power and I recommend to our listeners that they go back and listen to the Sean Connery episode also, rest in peace and rest in power to Elsa Raven. Uh, she
1: was from Back to the Future, and what would what we know her for? Uh, she was the uh, Save the Clock Tower lady on Back to the Future.
2: Save the Clock Tower!
1: And uh, she was also in Titanic. She was also in Titanic. She died at the age
0: of 91, peacefully in her home.
1: That's so Raven.
0: <laughs> rest in peace and rest in power to her. Uh, also rest in peace and rest in power to charles gordon not charles groden i had to i did a double take when you when you wrote that in earlier this though charles gordon was a producer on field of dreams and also everyone's favorite holiday film die hard he was 73 and he did die of cancer rest in peace all right and also uh we've got a couple of stories first we've got a rumor I guess a somewhat semi-confirmed rumor that actress LaShana Lynch appears to confirm that she will be the next 007. Next, Johnny Depp was asked to resign by Warner Brothers from the Fantastic Beast franchise. So, this is this comes after the news that a defamation lawsuit against a British tabloid was uh overturned or rejected in England, is that correct? I think so. And so he's he is uh, out as Grim Grim grimdlewald Grimblewaldi, Grundlewaldi, Grind- the Great Grimaldi, Grundlewield. Finally, uh, Disney is pushing back Death on the Nile and Free Guy. Uh, so Death on the Nile is the follow up to Murder on the Orient Express with right. Kenneth Branagh, and then Free Guy is Ryan Reynolds in like a video game ish comedy i think um i knew i know i saw a quote from him he said that the mo the movie won't be hard to understand even if you're not a gamer they're moving them out of 2020 and no word yet on wonder woman 1984 and that is the end of movie news for this week does anybody hear a phone ringing that must mean it's time for the department of corrections department with chief corrections officer dana
2: hello East. dj khaled's future brother-in-law was the family member that was murdered jim perrick was johnny frost one of the jokers henchmen in suicide squad there was talk of a straight to dvd sequel of the craft but it never transpired then in 2016 a sequel was in development but it received negative reactions from fans, so apparently it was shelved. In 2019, they finally cast the film and began production on The Craft Legacy. It was released on demand on October 28, 2020. That's it. See you next time.
0: All right. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you noticed that, uh, Chief Dana, because that was quite crafty. And that will close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode
2: it's not beatles movies either
0: (laughs) for the first excursion in our november around the world film series you sound more and more like john lennon keep saying it i will i'll slip more into john lennon australian movies uh the films of australia and so just off the top, whose idea was it to do around the world? It was, I think it was one of you guys, right? I think it was me. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. So we'll be doing Australian movies this week, and then for the next three weeks, we'll be doing films from other regions of the world. Yes. And I tried to uh, keep it to places where we weren't super familiar gotcha. with their cinematic culture already. Um, so... Any thoughts on the on the theme this week, Chelsea? What did your mom say when you told her what we were doing?
2: Oh, God. Without missing a beat, she yells, A dingo ate your baby! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God.
0: Which, when I hear that, I've only seen a cry in the dark one time. And uh, when I hear it, I always think of Elaine from Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. And she does the misquote, too. She says, A dingo ate my baby! When it's really the dingoes got my baby or something like yeah. that
1: I love Australia I was, I've was i been fascinated with it yes. since I was a kid a lot of cartoons and shows when I was a kid that dealing with the wildlife of yep. Australia and of course uh, Men at Work I was a big fan of yes. them and uh, you know we we joke about Australia because it was started as a prison, prison colony. colony for Great Britain for Great and
0: Britain they, they sent a lot of British well English and Irish yep. uh convicts there
2: um when i was in vegas i went to a show called the thunder from down under nice
0: (laughs) was it a male review oh yeah oh
1: yeah um But people jokingly refer to Australia as like the Texas of Great Britain.
0: Right. And we were talking about that earlier and clearly I didn't take my own advice, but I've been practicing all day (laughs) that the Australian accent is kind of a combination of like a Cogni British accent and maybe a little bit of Irish in there as well with the European version of a Southern drawl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you you buy that? Yeah. You got to have it. You just kind of don't give a shit.
0: I know that instead of air conditioner they say Ignatia
1: that's a new one I'd heard that one
0: I met a man from Australia whenever I was um, probably it was when we lived in New Mexico he was a friend of my parents and he was totally full of shit he told us that he lived in a uh, lived in a tree in Michigan on a college campus over winter one time but anyway he told us a bunch of uh, Australian phrases that I mostly forget but also I think that Uh, I had a fascination with Australia as well. And I still kind of do. I think that everything there, especially the wildlife, is just a little bit weird compared to like what we normally see. And my grandma on my father's side, Grandma Katie, rest in peace and rest in power. She gave me this. uh, It was very rare that she gave me gifts, but she gave me this kind of it's kind of like a wall hanging, like a cloth wall hanging. And it says um, the the fauna of australia and so it's got a picture of a kangaroo and a wallaby and the various the platypus and various other things and yeah i'm i'm kind of excited about this we've already talked about quickly down under enough though <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's going to bring us to the midnight double feature and this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two films that are related to our subject of the week and that we feel like would go well together for a double feature and chelsea would you like to go first
2: sure um i can't i can't let the spooky go just quite yet no
0: no well sean had a good point about this australia has does have a serial killer culture oh absolutely like, almost like the pacific northwest they're the pacific northwest of continents
1: yeah and i wonder if it's a carryover of just like you said the the origins of the country being right. convict driven but uh, they have some of the most fascinating serial killer stories. So do you think that they gave them a choice? It's like either
0: you go to prison here or you go to Australia. Was it like the version of uh, you can go to prison or go join the army? I don't know. Uh, I think that a lot of it was forced. Dana. Dana, let us know. That's a good one for her. Continue. Sorry. That's okay. I digress. Um, I digress.
2: So... <laughs> I'm pairing two kind of relatively new, one of them's very new horror movies. The first one is 2020's Relic, which we talked about in our movie marathon. Yes. Um and the other one is from 2014, The Babadook. Now,
0: which, which one do you think is scarier?
2: They're they're scary for different reasons. Yes the Babadook I really didn't have high expectations I thought it was gonna be stupid and yeah. then ended up sleeping with my light on yeah because I was terrified so yeah, I really don't want to give fucking anything fucking away I want people... in the
0: past like five years that's one of the scariest movies I've ever
2: yeah seen. I don't want to give anything away about anything with that movie I yeah. want if you haven't seen it watch Go it Go watch it right now if, if you Wait, have seen it, I see understand this. why your lamp is on like I get it
0: understood and uh, tell me remind me a little bit more about the relic what's the deal
2: um, it's a it's three generations, a grandma, a mom, and a daughter. And the grandma kind of starts losing her mind oh, a little bit yeah. and it seems like the house is haunted and it
0: had a lot the, of those vibes like the uh, hereditary lady right yeah
2: it's a it's a well, yeah. huge, huge just allegory for a fear of getting older.
1: Well, it's funny, you mentioned Tony Colette. She she's being Australian. A, yeah, very cool. Good job. All
0: right, moving it over to you, Sean.
1: Well, I'm going to brighten things up a bit. I'm going with a sequins and glitter kind of theme for my double feature. All right. My first is... uh, Glitter. (laughs) Glitter. Strictly Ballroom from 1992. All right. This this is a Baz Luhrmann film. Yes, it is. uh, Written and directed. And... uh, It stars uh, Paul Mercurio, Tara Maurice, and Bill Hunter. Uh And I mentioned Bill Hunter for a reason. But first of all, it's a film about a maverick dancer who risks his career by performing an unusual routine and sets out to succeed with a new partner. So this is a ballroom dance competition film. Get out of here. And it it is gaudy it's garish mm-hmm. and it's comical it's oh, it's, it's by boslerman it's that it's in that true boslerman style yeah. where everything's over the top and all the characters are just awful there're a lot of close ups of people like talking into a microphone and spittle going everywhere and he just,
0: considers this the first in his trilogy yes uh in, then including uh Mulan Rouge mm-hmm. and Chicago Chicago
1: Moulin I can't Rouge. remember what the third one is Moulin Rouge uh-huh.
0: I'm going with Chicago for right now.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, I want to mention before I talk about Bill Hunter, uh, Gia uh, Carides is in it as well. She was in Austin Powers, uh, The Spy Who Shagged Me. She tried to kill Austin Powers. Anyway, Uh, she's one of the dancers. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's not a great movie, but it is a fun, fun movie. But uh, Bill Hunter plays Barry Fife. He's one of the judges, and he's constantly just up in arms about this, this renegade dancer wanting to do the Paso Doble, you know, it's just, uh, unheard of. Nice. And what did you pair that with? So I'm pairing it with 1994's The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Okay. Which Bill Hunter is also in, and ah. I'll get to that in a second, but it's written and directed by Stephen Elliott and it stars Hugo Agent Smith uh, Weaving, uh-huh. as well as Guy Memento Pierce <laughs> Okay. And, and Terrence General Zod Stamp. Oh, wow. And it is a story about uh, two drag performers and a transgender woman uh, traveling across the desert to perform their unique style of cabaret in Australia's northern territories. Mm-hmm. So they essentially cross from, I believe it was Melbourne. And Melbourne. Go, Melbourne, and they go all the way north to the northern Kinda coast. Bad. And uh, they have a fabulous bus that they live on and drive in, and they encounter a lot of... Uh, People, Interesting folk. A lot of people in the outback. Out then, the outback. And uh, it's a lot of fun and it's crazy, but they encounter uh, Bill Hunter's character, Bob, who uh, is a fan. He's a fan of um, Terrence Stamp's character. He saw her perform years and years ago and he thought it was a fabulous show. And he kind of becomes their mechanic when the bus breaks down and he continues traveling with them to their final destination. Um, The final destination, of course, is a casino that is run by, as we learn in the film, um, Hugo Weaving's uh, wife. Oh, okay. And he has a son. So it's kind of a revelatory kind of thing at the end of the film. And it's not giving too much away. But the big thing that I thought was great was Guy Pearce is a damn sexy woman. Oh my God, he 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 is fantastic! Did you say who the director is? Uh, It's Stephen Elliott. Stephen, he's got a few films uh, that are in queer cinema. Okay, and uh, this one's great. I loved it. I thought you didn't mention
0: the part where the van breaks
1: down and they have to go on a walkabout. (laughs) They didn't go on a walkabout in its true term. In there, (laughs) it's not a spirit quest. No, (laughs) a vision,
0: vision, spirit journey. Yeah all right so it's down to me I'm going with a couple of cheesy family westerns that are indeed Australian films in fact they're based on a poem that's considered like a classic of Australian poetry and I'm going with the man from snowy river from 1982 and it was directed by George T Miller not to be confused with George Mad Max Miller. Oh, okay. Right. See,
1: I always thought that that was one and the same. No, I
0: don't think so. I could be wrong. Uh and then uh so basically your premise is you've got this uh very proud young man whose father passes away and he wants to make his a name for himself as uh, a a horseman, <laughs> you know, like a horse rancher. And so he goes to work for a Horse rancher named Harris or Harrison, played by um, Douglas Kirk Douglas. Oh yes, and uh, he's he's not treated very fairly by the other the other cowboys, the more experienced cowboys. And all he really wants to do is be a good cowboy. And then along comes the rancher's daughter, classic scenario. He starts he starts uh, getting warm and fuzzy with the rancher's daughter, and now the rancher doesn't like him anymore. And so he and then. One thing leads to another and a very expensive horse gets lost and he has to go and retrieve it and prove himself and win her love. Uh, And the very famous scene from this movie is him riding down this like 25 degree embankment. uh, I'm familiar with this scene. I've never I've never seen the movie, but I
1: know the scene you're talking about.
0: And then the sequel, the ill advised sequel, <laughs> came out in 1988. And it was in Australia, it was called The Man from Snowy River 2. In the States, they called it Return to Snowy River. And this one was directed by Jeff Burroughs. It's got an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't think that it, uh, it even deserves that. He's coming back to town sometime later, back to his hometown of Snowy River, and with his herd of horses he's now a successful uh, horse rancher in his own right and so he's kind of of coming back to show off and they've replaced Kirk Douglas with uh, Brian Dennehy is now the old rancher it's a very interesting I love Brian Dennehy yeah but it's a very interesting change Uh, and so he wants to marry the rancher's daughter and I forget her name it's like Eliza or something like that and he uh, the father doesn't want him to Instead, he has a different suitor in mind. And when the suitor finds out that the daughter actually wants to marry the man from Snowy River, he decides to steal his horses. Oh, no. And there is where the conflict lies. Gotcha.
1: And the man from Snowy River and
0: return to Snowy River.
1: Okay. So in the theme of the episode, we yes. have to ask, recommends, are they didgeridoos or don'ts? These are both going to be don'ts. I'm sorry to say.
2: Both of mine are didgeridoos.
0: I have didgeridoos on mine, too. Well, there you go. That's going to wrap us up on the Midnight double feature and bring us into our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we pre-select a movie and we watch it in advance. And then we hypothetically recast a few of the main actors with contemporary actors who are... At, At the, the height, height of, of their, their powers. powers. Oh <laughs> and uh, the first one that we are going to be recasting is Romper Stomper from 1992. Now, I had not seen this prior, had you? No. Okay. Uh, Chelsea? No. You had not either. Okay. So the um, the movie is directed by Jeffrey Wright, and it's got a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, and It is basically a drama involving a group of Australian skinheads who are fighting often, brawling, with the Australian Vietnamese people in their same community. They feel that their community has been taken over by the Vietnamese people. And that's where the kind of through, not the through thread, but the beginning story arc comes into play. But then we have this uh, young, drug addicted, uh, homeless girl, who falls in with this group of skinheads, who's, who is, who are led by Russell Crowe, uh, playing Hando. Uh, I think it's like they were trying to combine Han Solo and Lando. <laughs> um, and then, so her name is uh, her name is Gabrielle or Gabrielle but they call her Gaby for short. And also uh, the character Davy has interest in her as well. And that causes conflict between the two of them. Uh, One thing leads to another and she suggests that they rob her father's house. Now we find out early on in the movie that her father is a real creeper. He's Mm -hmm. sexually abusive to her and, Uh, Is very manipulative and wants to get her back in his house. Yeah, Uh, which is why she's probably why she's uh, drug addicted and homeless and desperate enough to fall in with these people. Yeah.
1: On paper, this movie should be like in my wheelhouse, right? Because I like films where love skinhead. No, 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 (laughs) no. I like films where characters have no redeeming qualities. Okay. Yeah. But this film is nothing more than a snapshot of a time and a place. Yeah. And I don't feel like the story really went anywhere and the arc just really didn't take me on a journey for any of the characters. So I kind of was left feeling really empty and just yeah. like, well, that was sad, depressing. It and was, holy. it was
0: a bummer movie. I said that it was <clears throat> Australia's answer to American history. X only it came out six years prior to American history. X And it except that it didn't have the any of the redemption.
1: Yeah, there is no redemption. There is some very uh, uh, visceral and awkward sex. Yeah, there's some very graphic sex scenes. And then of course the uh, the violence. Who knew that once upon a time Russell Crowe was fit enough to fuck?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I just I did not. It was a little bit hard to take, right? It really was. There was a lot there was a lot of graphic yeah things one in thing all i areas. did
0: did appreciate um in parts was uh the cinematography i thought that there was some things that were very well shot it brings to mind that movie green room
1: yeah i thought about green room yeah. during this film and and unlike green room you know this one just doesn't really go anywhere for me i hear you all right. That
0: being said, let's go ahead and get into the roles that we're recasting. We already mentioned that Russell Crowe is Hando, the leader of the local skinhead group. I remember at one point uh, a a group comes from another town. I can't remember his name. It's like yeah, Magook. Magook. He comes, shows up. He shows up with ma-goosh. like a he shows up
1: with like a Hitler youth. Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, he says, "It's the handsome boys from Canberra come to see the ugly boys from Melbourne." So I think those are the two locations uh, prove me wrong. And so then we've got his best friend and kind of his right hand man who he's also a little bit of a father figure to Davey played by Daniel Pollock. and side note about Daniel Pollock: He committed suicide in real life before this movie came out.
2: Whoa. Do you Uh, know how?
0: uh, Well, I don't know how, but I do know that it was because a he was really depressed and he also had an upcoming court date okay. that he was really worried about.
2: Let me drop some knowledge All on right, you because I didn't like this movie. Yes. And I found out that he killed himself. So I...
0: You went on a rabbit I, hole? Yeah,
2: I dived into this. He was drinking and driving and got into a car accident and the passenger was killed. And he Ooh. was facing charges for that. The
0: passenger who was in his car? In his car. He was, was driving. who was the passenger? It's just a know? friend. Okay.
2: I, I'm pretty sure it was a girl. Okay. And then um, Mode... So he's feeling guilty over that. He gets on drugs. He gets arrested for that, which doesn't help the charges for this car accident. And it just kind of snowballs. He knows he's going to get jail time, but it's really not as bad as I think he's kind of built it up. I think he's just feeling guilty.
0: Snowballing is when you uh, do heroin and snow.
2: (laughs) I think he's more just feeling guilty about killing his friend. And um, one day went to the train station and stepped in front of a train.
0: Oh, yes. He walked in front of a train. You're absolutely right. And yeah. Russell Crowe wrote a song about it, and this is absolutely true, called The Night Davey
1: Met the Train. A little on the nose. Yes. Which yeah. is why he's not a very good musician. Super. The nose of the train. <laughs>
0: Just a tragic uh, dude. All right. And then next we've got uh Gabriel. No, Gabrielle, but they call her Gabby. It's very confusing to me. Uh, Gabrielle, played by Jacqueline McKenzie, who was 25 at the time. And then finally, we've got her creepy, creepy perv dad, Martin, played by Alex Scott, who was 63 at the time. All right, are we ready? Yes. Ready. All right. All uh, right. Sheila. Chell Sheila. You're going first.
2: Okay. Russell Crowe. Yep. Ugh. Uh, my actor was in the Maze Runner movies hmm. and on Teen Wolf. I went with Dylan O'Brien and strictly kind of face value.
0: Okay.
2: he looks pretty similar.
0: Is he Australian?
2: He's not Australian.
1: Um, <laughs> and okay. Uh, Sean? Uh, my actor is from Perth. There you go. I went with all Australia. I did almost too. Almost all Australia. I did all Australia in this round, not next round. Okay. Uh, he's 26 years old, and it's not going to be a huge stretch for him to play this hateful, uh, abusive, violent character. Um, he's had roles in Better Watch Out, A Few Less Men, and Power Rangers. But everyone knows him from Stranger Things. And with Dakra Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. I saw him today. One thing I had difficulty well, you did, with. At the yeah. bar. At the pub. <laughs> Down at
0: the pub. <laughs> My pick for Hando is 30 years old now. Uh, He was in The Hunger Games. Oh, God, don't even try. (laughs) The last song. It isn't romantic. No, isn't it romantic? And this one was kind of low-hanging fruit. It's Liam Hensworth. He was also in Miley Cyrus. (laughs) Next up, we've got Davey. He's still in the Navy and probably will be for life. Uh, he was played by Daniel Pollock, who was 23 at the time. And Chelsea, who is your pick for this?
2: Uh, my actor was in the It movies, Deadpool 2. I went with Bill. Skarsgård.
0: Okay. Bill Skarsgård. Nice. Okay then. And Sean, your pick for Davy?
1: With a 26-year-old actor, he's got a pretty limited uh, a, a body of work, but uh, he was in Preacher, uh, the TV series. And he was in the ill-fated DC Comics TV series Titans, based on the Teen Titans. Okay. In which he played Connor Kent, which I think was like the Superboy uh, clone type character. Uh, his name is Joshua Orpin from Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, was Teen Titans first and then Titans was later? Well, the cartoon Teen Titans was first, then the TV show Titans came later, which was the- what is.
0: Is Teen Titans based on a comic book?
1: Yeah, it's a cartoon, but then Titans was like the gritty attempt to make it... Like you an, know, a, a miniature... Relate- yeah, yeah, okay. where, where Robin says, fuck.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right, well, my pick is 32 now, and he's in both American Horror Story, multiple seasons, and also American Crime Story. He's in a movie called The Thousand Tribes of Palos Verdes, and also a movie called Pisces. His name is Cody Fern. Okay. And he's going to have to, um, well, first of all, he's going to have to shave his head. And he's going to have to be just a little bit less dreamy. Mm-hmm. All right. We've got two more. Next, we've got the role, really the main character. I like to think of her as the main character of this movie. I do it's too. Less, it's less uh, depressing <laughs> if you think about it that way. Yeah. Um, Gabrielle or Gaby, played by Jacqueline McKenzie, who was 25 at the time. Chelsea?
2: My actress was in Six Years, The Bling Ring, The Final Girls, and American Horror Story, Tessa Farmiga.
0: Tessa Farmiga, or Thaisa Farmiga. That,
2: that's what I didn't know. I've heard it both yeah, ways. I, I don't know I how she that, pronounces it.
0: I think that... Um, Dana's probably corrected us before on that, so we won't give her extra duty. Okay. Uh, Duty. (laughs) And so, Sean, your
1: pick for Gabrielle. Um, I went with a 24-year-old actress from Perth, and uh, she will be known to people from the TV series 13 Reasons Why and Love, Simon, as well as the film Knives Out, Yes. It's Catherine on. Langford.
0: All right. Yes. Uh, recently in the movie Spontaneous, which yes. I enjoyed quite a bit. I've not seen that. You should. You should. It's where the, the high school kids start blowing up spontaneously. Right, right, right. Exploding. I wanted to see that. I have not. And it's a thinly veiled metaphor for puberty. My pick for Gaby is probably one of the best names I've heard in all of these real, real actors' names. Because it sounds like a side dish that is upset with you. Her name is Angori Rice. Oh yeah, and she's great. Angori Rice uh, was is nineteen now. She's in the Nice Guys also with with Russell Crowe. She's in The Beguiled with Nicole Kidman, and also uh, these Final Hours, which is a fucked up uh, apocalypse movie where they know a nuclear weapon is going to go off, but they uh, don't know what, no, don't know when so everybody just goes fucking like full on uh oh Mad Max style or yeah. uh no no rules no holds barred and it's this girl trying to find her like little brother in the midst of all of this chaos and uh spoiler alert they the bomb does go off at the end okay all right so we've got one more correct yeah uh captain stabbing uh, Martin, the very, very rich but not well meaning father to Gabrielle, uh, in the opening scene of the movie, he busts in to wherever she's staying with a bodyguard or a bouncer or something like yeah. that and gets rid of the guy she's staying there with and tries to lure her back to his house. And it's very much implied in that scene that. He's had sex with his daughter.
1: Yeah, because I at first I thought it was a sugar daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Chelsea, your pick for Martin.
2: I wanted the dad to be like more pervy, more awful because I didn't want to feel sorry for him when they broke into the house. Anyways, my actor is John Malkovich.
1: Real? Yeah, he's an
2: asshole and he's pervy (laughs) and scary.
1: Is amazing. (laughs) My actor is. um, He is. 62 years old. And the original actor was 63. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has over 70 credits to his name. Uh, but he's from... Is it uh, Antonio Banderas? No, no, no. He's, he's, from, he's from Adelaide. Adelaide. And uh, he was in Breaker Morant, Home and Away, Time Tracks, which I believe is a science fiction series. But most people would know him from the movie Pitch Black. Uh-huh, which is very Australian when you look at the cast list. The, okay. This is the first Riddick movie. Yes. Okay. He was the professor that had the the water like the water evaporator thing that was making water the whole time. I would argue the best one. Uh, Louis Fitzgerald. Louis Fitzgerald. Not Louis Fitzgerald, Louis
0: Fitz hyphen Gerald. His middle name is Fitz and his last name is Gerald.
2: That's amazing. That's
0: fucking awesome. <laughs> I love it.
2: That guy for the win.
0: Yeah, he... <laughs> At some point back in the day, his one of his ancestors was like, you know what? We're not Fitzgeralds anymore. We're gonna be Geralds, but we're all gonna give our middle names Fitz. <laughs> Alright, so That's a Beatles um, song. <laughs> hey, Jude. And so my turn for Martin, correct? Yeah. He's 60 now. Uh we've mentioned him already. Everything I say is going to give it away. It is an actor from The Matrix, V for Vendetta, Captain America, The First Avenger.
1: Nice. Hugo Weaving. Very nice.
0: And he's he's aging into that perviness, like he in in terms of facial
1: facial qualities. Are you saying that he's hitting on Samara?
0: <laughs> no, I oh his oh. niece, right? That's oh. his niece in real life. All right. So, at this point, we have to say whether it's a didgeridoo, a didgeridoo don't, or a didgeridoo meh. <laughs> Chelsea? Didgeridoo don't. Yeah,
1: I'm going to say didgeridoo don't.
0: I'm going to say didgeridoo don't as well. It was quite um I'm glad that I did not watch it with my wife. Let me put it that way. My okay. lovely wife Michelle. Drink. That brings us to the end of our first half. We're going to head into intermission. But not before we say, let's all go to the lobby,
1: let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby, and get ourselves a
2: Vegemite sandwich and boomerangs.
0: All right, Chop Shoppers, thank you for bearing with us during intermission. This is your host, Travis, and I just have one question for you, Sean. What is one way we could make our podcast more prominent? Oh, if our listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us oh yeah, subscribe. on iTunes. And, and, or and pin your friends down and, and force them to do it. Make them go ahead and do a review. We're very under-reviewed. Like, like, like
1: make it a whole pyramid scheme. Get the people under them yeah. to do it.
0: and A podsy it. scheme. Oh, I like it. Yes. You folks who are listening right now, it would be fantastic if while you're listening or right after, you don't have to stop the show. Don't stop the show. But if afterwards you could go to iTunes and give us a review or a rating, that would be awesome as well. Or on whatever uh, podcatcher app it is that you're listening to us. We're on a few of them. And also, uh, be aware of our online presence. We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash cinemachopshop. We're hosted natively online on Podbean. It's Shop on Podbean. And our Twitter handle is at cinemachopshop. We do a lot of stuff on there, like our movie marathon, where Sean consistently kicks my ass. Also, our uh, email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. You can email us anytime. We check it frequently. The beers that we check in after intermission, you're about to find out about some, are always checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Shop on there. Once again, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the show.
2: And now on with the
0: show. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with us during intermission. Uh when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check in. Beer. Oi. And uh the first one we're checking in, we already we already killed it. It is Folstas Australian for beer. And it was um fair, I guess. I I'd say it's better than Budweiser.
1: It's okay. It's it's, okay. It's it's It's, okay. uh...
0: I did read uh, that for the most part, even though it originated in Australia, it's mostly brewed in the UK, which they would hate because they call the British bastards and also in the United States. And this in particular was, um, brewed in the USA. I think it's a Miller
1: Coors product. And so we're going to
0: try the other style that's available to us. uh, And it is instead of the lager, it's the Foster's Ale. So I'm going to crack it open. Cracking. Chelsea, do you care for any of this?
2: No, thank you. I've had it.
1: The ale is decidedly more uh, amber in color. Mm -hmm, It is. It's pretty malty. Very malty. I would prefer to have the lager over this ale. This ale is extremely malty. It's got a little bit of a funky smell, too,
0: but so do most Australians. Oh, at me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So next we've got the 2020 movie marathon. We're coming down to the final stretch here. Check-ins are still coming in, though. We've got to count every check-in. <laughs> and stop so, the count. No, stop the count. I, w- I want to win. <laughs> as of today, it is the 311th day of the year while we're recording this. And I'm on number 363. I kind of slacked off this week. Uh, other than the movies that I watched for this show, for the double feature and for our recast, I only saw two new-to-me movies. Okay. So I'm pretty much... Pulling a Chelsea this week. Ouch. And so uh, go ahead and go first. Hit us with your first one, Chelsea.
2: I watched the Netflix movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7.
0: Okay. Now tell me what you thought about this because I just listened to our peers podcast about Abby Hoffman.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of that. And okay. I didn't know this was a thing that happened Right at all. So the movie to me was really, really interesting, and now I'm kind of on this deep dive of was the movie accurate? Is this what really took place? A lot place? of people are
0: saying that it was not accurate, and well, Aaron that's what Sorkin I'm took a lot of artistic liberties.
2: I, I did enjoy the movie, but I want to know if that was the truth or There's what really went on. A
0: documentary on YouTube about it that would be okay. probably be informative.
2: All right. Thank
1: cool you. deal. Nice check in, Sean. Oh, by the way, thanks for asking. I'm on 383. Jesus oh, Christ. I'm on, man. I'm on 301. 301, 311,
0: or sorry, 363, and 383. You're 20 ahead of me. I'm 62 ahead of you. But you still have time, Chelsea. The The home stretch, it's it's in the distance,
1: but you have time. The final make it. kick. Okay. So I'm going to check in Gallipoli. It's a 1981 war drama Mm -hmm. that is very uh, closely associated with a true Australian movie, and it stars one uh, Mel Gibson. Uh Uh-huh. And it's it's about the Battle of Gallipoli, right? It is. Um, And I'm just going to give you my Twitter take on it. The absurdity of an Australian uh, enthusiastically sneaking into the military to go to Egypt to fight the Turks (laughs) is on full display. Why? Why? Why race on foot to your death? Yeah, uh, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I the, you talk about some patriotism, it doesn't make any sense. Why are you going to Egypt to fight the Turks? Who cares? Oh,
0: there, speaking of Gallipoli, there's another movie we talked about earlier called The Water Diviner with Russell Crowe, who is Australian, and uh, my favorite. Part of that movie is the song that plays over the credits. Number 363 for me. Oh, that means I'm actually on 364. I'm on 364, you guys. Uh, Number 363 I just watched today. It is called Batman, Death in the Family. And this is the most recent in the uh, Warner Brothers slash DC animated universe. And my criticism of it is very similar to... Criticisms I've had of recent DC animated films. I really like the gritty content matter, but I don't care for the animation that much. It seems just a little bit too flat. Yeah. Uh, in this case, in particular, the uh, the cover art is much more three dimensional than the actual animation in the film. And I understand that they're probably trying to go for uh, like a retro aesthetic, like a kind of a comic book style, but. It just wasn't working for me. Hmm. I do like the fact that it was R-rated, though. That's cool.
2: The next one is American Utopia.
0: Okay. I've heard of this, but remind me.
2: Uh, David Burns, Broadway oh, musical. Oh, wow. Directed awesome. by Spike Lee.
0: Very cool. Um, How did Spike Lee already direct another thing? He just had five Bloods. Um, He's a virtuoso. I'm
2: not. It's really good songs. Okay. It's really interesting. I'm not going to tell you anything else. Just watch it.
0: Just watch it. What kind of duration are we talking here? What's the length? Two hours and thirty minutes. Two
2: hours and fifteen minutes. Oh, right. really? But it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it is it's a fun David it, Byrne. It, well, and it's it's a engaging. lot of the fun music and the imagery you see is really cool. Yeah. It's a,
0: a mix of new and old music. Mm-hmm. So new David Byrne stuff and some old Talking Heads stuff. Yep. Cool. All right, I'll watch it for sure. All right, mm-hmm. very
1: good, Sean. I'm going to go with uh, Snowtown. As my next check in, this is about the s- snowballing, real- is when you combine snow. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to go another direction in that. So by did the I, was scared. And I'm glad you didn't. Uh, Snowtown is based on the real life Snowtown murders. Are you talking about the clerk's reference? Snowball?
0: <laughs> okay,
1: no, that's not what I was talking about. I was making a drug reference, okay. damn it. <laughs> From the top. It's based on real life Snowtown murders uh, set in the poverty stricken. Adelaide suburb, Snowtown. Okay. And uh, it's deeply disturbing. It is a really realistic film in that it's set in this, just uh, the projects, for lack of a better term. cinema T And uh, you've got this guy who's the stepfather of these kids, and he's a psychopath. and. Oof. He takes liberties with the children, including the oldest son who looks like, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Huh. And, uh, I didn't really need to see the stepfather rape the oldest son, but I did. And, uh, yeah, he just kind of exerted his truly narcissistic willpower on the family and their neighbors and, in that he was twisting their perception of the people around them. Like that guy's a junkie and he needs to die. And he, he was facilitating these murders mm-hmm. and getting people to be as accomplices and, and almost like in a vigilante justice kind of way. Judge Judy and executioner. And by the time it was all over, we had 11 people dead and they're all, Oof. and all these guys are all in prison. And didn't you check in a movie
0: last week called stepfather?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah wow
0: what's up with that mm-hmm. what's up with that all right so my turn uh the next one is going to be number 364 and i just watched it before going over coming over here uh, my lovely wife michelle drink was sleeping oy and she missed the privilege that was polly shore's new film Oh. from twenty twenty. It's called Guest House. Oh. So I'll go ahead and give you my uh, review first. I sincerely hope that Polly Shore has matured more than his character in this, but I doubt it. Guest starring Billy Zane, Steve O, Eric Griffin, who was who is the uh mustached coworker on Workaholics, oh, also okay. a pretty funny stand up comedian. Uh, Charlotte McKinney Chris Kattan Lou Ferrigno and Bobby Lee oh my god yeah there's a lot of, it's co- it's almost like the uh, Hubie Halloween movie where he got all of his friends to be in it but uh, it's better than anything Polly Shore's done in the past decade for sure okay but it's still not good I gave it one star
2: this is like a 12 star movie
0: a didgeridoo
2: oh yeah <laughs> It's uh, it's called Spear. It's from 2015. It's an Australian film. Okay. And basically, it's a dance film. It's about Aboriginal men. Okay, that's kind what of I, like that's what trying I was to sort of reconcile with their identity. Uh huh. In modern world and you know remote communities, whatever. And, is, it, um,
0: is it fictitious or is it a documentary?
2: No, it's a dance film. it's a dance film but
0: it could it could like be very a, cool. like a performance it's, okay. a, it's
2: yeah it I don't understand all of it okay um but my God, it was beautiful.
0: That's amazing.
2: It was lovely very cool. a real treat.
0: nice
1: Sean, you've got one more, but you said you wanted to do something else Oh right? yeah, yeah, I'm gonna open up uh, another beer. This one's not on theme at all, but this is from our neighbors to the north in Charlotte, North Carolina at Resident Culture. <laughs> This is called Island Time. Island Time. Australia is an island, so maybe it is. Anyway. If uh, continents are islands. (laughs) Tasmania is an island. That's true. New Uh, Zealand's an island. But that's not a part of Australia. No. Uh, But
0: technically, Russell Crowe is a New Zealander,
1: and he's just lived forever in Australia. So this is a Mexican lager uh, brewed with lime. So fair warning, that has a punch of lime flavor. I'm down with it. It's a cool-looking can, though. It's like a stealth can. The and it should be a
0: nice uh, palate cleanser.
1: The whole I can's bleak. Bolsters. The whole can is blick. All right, my final check-in is going to be from 1971. It's called Walkabout. Like a vision quest. Yes. Okay. Um, it's one part Lord of the Flies, one part The Blue Lagoon, and 100% Australian. It's part of the Australian New Wave Collection on the Criterion Channel. And I loved it I love the, okay. the innocence in the face of brutal conditions What you got is a, a, a Teenage Daughter and her Say six, seven year old brother And They're out with their father who's a geologist uh, Out in the uh, outback, And um, they're out playing Like down the hill from where their Volkswagen Beetles parked and for some reason, the father sets it on fire, and, and no,
2: tell the lead up with the kid and the the squirt gun.
1: What he's going bang, bang, bang. That was bang, your takeaway. no,
2: no, no! This is just fucking dark. This okay. haunts me.
1: So yeah, the kid's kind of like got a little squirt gun. He's going bang, 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 and then then when the kid's like behind a big rock and can't see the father, the father shoots himself. Oof! And the daughter discovers him. Okay. Yeah, you told me about this the other night. No,
2: and, the father shoots at the kid first. Oh fuck! I forgot. Yes, that part. that's the part.
0: Okay, oh, so Jesus. so it was like a Chekhov's
1: gun situation with the squirt gun. Yeah, and yeah. a real
2: gun. Yes.
1: Yeah, and so uh, so yeah, the daughter kind of like grabs the, the her brother, and they just kind of go off into the outback because they have to get big they have to get somewhere and survive and so they they, so they cross paths with an aboriginal young man who's on his walkabout his Mm -hmm. his vision quest and they live together out in the wilderness and very innocently kind of survive and have fun and hunt there are some graphic hunting scenes because I thought you were going to (laughs) say never mind no Uh, there is no sex there is some nudity but Mm -hmm. it's very like I said almost like Blue Lagoon it's very innocent yeah um, but uh, there are some graphic hunting scenes. Uh, so anybody who's does not like to see that, um, steer clear of it. But it's the Aboriginal boy who's killing for their food, and uh, it's just this neat film. And, and you know, we say New Wave. Um, there's, there's a lot of time
0: period we're talking like 1970s, early 70s, okay.
1: and so there's this juxtaposition of what's happening in the. Outback versus what's happening in the real world. A lot of like, like super fast cuts showing like people in traffic versus birds flying in the air. So there's a lot. There, you know, the director's trying to send you a message. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was probably the best film I saw this week uh, out of all of our Australian flicks. Very cool. Uh, so speaking of Australia,
0: it begs the question, uh, and I've posited this question before on the show, I believe. But if human beings had pouches like marsupials, would the police be allowed to search them?
2: (laughs) Whoa.
0: Uh, So that's just a little food for thought. And I think that that wraps us up on the 2020 movie marathon for this week. And what are you thinking about the Mexican lager?
1: I've already had this, so I wanted to know your opinion. I... I can deal with it. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like a high class Bud Light lime. Yeah, I wish I didn't have the lime in it. I, I really. I think li- it
2: would be better.
1: I really like their pilsners. Uh huh. And their lagers. need a little salt on the rim. All right, that will
0: bring us to the second part of our feature segment, which is the recast continued part two. And so, like a boomerang coming back at you. <laughs> it's coming right back at you. And the second movie, boy, oh boy, uh, was this an experience watching. This You're welcome. Chelsea's pick for this week. Uh, it's called Starstruck from 1982, directed by Jillian Armstrong. Sure. It is the story. Do you want to tell us the story? There's a young girl.
2: Who basically wants to be famous. She wants
0: to be a rock star.
2: And- there's really fun musical scenes with choreographed dances. And-, and she's got
0: her her cousin, who is her sidekick slash yes. manager. Uh, she pulls off a lot of publicity stunts, right? Yes. To kind of get her name in the papers and into the tabloids. And what else?
1: This was back in the day when uh, radio stations had live shows. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they would stage those shows in public. And on television, and that's what she's trying to—that's her end game—is to get that's on. What she show. wants to get on this show because she knows she'll win the talent contest. Yes.
0: Uh, so I had a couple of complaints about this movie. First, when I started watching it, I had forgotten that it was a musical. So when the very first <laughs> number starts, I'm like looking at Michelle and looking back at the screen. I'm like, is this what the '80s were like in Australia? <laughs>
2: Listen, I'm not going to lie to you, the same thought crossed my mind, uh, and I was, like, trying to find plane tickets to Australia because I thought it was still happening. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> why, why am I not here? Why
0: am I not there? Also, another problem I had, even though the band members, most of the songs in the movie are being played by a live band, and the band members have instruments. So it is what we call diegetic music, music that's happening in the movie, and we're hearing it as the audience but when she's singing, she has no microphone. <laughs> and that really bothered me. The other thing that bothered me is that her cousin Angus was very manipulative. And almost to the point where I was like, is this kid a sociopath? Like, he he was willing to do whatever it took, no matter who got hurt or what. Um, I think that's about it. I think those were my only critiques. So... Is that a good general idea of what's going on with this? Oh, she, she has an affair with the lead singer of an actual popular yes. band. Shows one boob. One, one boob, boob. And that's one boob less than the two prosthetics she wears during the tightrope walk between two buildings as a publicity stunt. Yes. Publicity stunt. All right. So the roles that we're going to be recasting. First, we have our main character, Jackie. And she was played by Joe Kennedy, who was just 20 at the time. Then we've got Angus, played by Ross O'Donovan. Now, if you look up Ross O'Donovan, you're going to find an actor slash voice actor who was born after this movie came yes. out. However, he looks strikingly I know, similar. Right? It was very <laughs> confusing. Uh, but Ross O'Donovan, and I can't get an age on the real- I got real. 17. 17, okay.
2: In the and, movie, he was supposed to be 14. Yeah. Right,
0: Alright, so then we have the role of Pearl, who is the mother of Jackie, and she was played by Margot Lee, and she she's mostly absent for the film. She leaves at the beginning uh, to go off on her tryst with her her brother-in-law, the brother of her dead husband, and who is also the father of Angus, and she comes back to find all of this mayhem going on, Uh, And in fact, she hears about it on the news and that's why they come back prematurely.
1: And she manages like a cafe, right? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a bar. Yeah. So that's a bar at the bottom
0: of a hotel. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that was the other thing at the bar. They're always pouring beer, but nobody's ever ordering a beer or paying for a beer. (laughs)
2: That's just how it is in Australia. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Free beer and singing. I mean, there's lots of people drinking yeah. beers, but you never see money exchange. All and right. you never see somebody say, Can I get a beer? Let's go. Come on. First, we've got Jackie, played by Joe Kennedy. Who was your pick, Chelsea?
2: My actress was in The Killing, Voltron, Legendary Defender, and the movie Dumplin', and 13 Reasons Why. Yeah
0: i like the movie Dumplin'. yeah tell me what's up
2: bex taylor klaus bex taylor klaus casey in 13 reasons why okay yeah 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 she's blonde now and she looks like way more fun like she kind of grew up a little bit
0: well blondes do have more fun
2: well i mean but she just doesn't have the baby face anymore like she didn't gotcha
1: she grew into her face yeah all right sean you're up with jackie I went with a 20-year-old actress. She is American from Houston, Texas. She was in The Young and the Restless. She was briefly in The Bronze. She was in Wakefield. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. No. She was in Wakefield. She was in uh, the FX TV series Baskets. Oh, I like that was show. Zach, was that, was that Zach Galifianakis? Galifianakis. And I wish I'd printed this out in color because her makeup was absolutely crazy. Her name is Ellery Sprayberry. <laughs> nice. That's a
0: pretty good name. Ellery Sprayberry. Sprayberry. Oh, the director of the movie guest house, his name is like John Macaroni.
2: <laughs> and I was
0: like, that has got to be a uh you made that Smithy. A smithy. <laughs> My pick for Jackie is twenty-six now. She is Australian. And she was in a TV show and a movie called Dance Academy. I don't know if anybody this side of the pond has heard about dance academy but it was very popular in australia and he's also she is also in a movie called you cut i choose which is basically like you split i pick okay okay uh and then also a movie called the bard her name is zenia goodwin Zania goodwin is my pick cool. for that going on to the next role angus The younger cousin, who's very instrumental in her rise to fame, uh, was played by Ross O'Donovan. And we've got him at 17, but the character's 14. Chelsea, who was your pick?
2: My actor was in a movie called Abe, Waiting for Anya. He was in Bridge of Spies as Roger Donovan. That counts, right? Yeah. But you know him from Stranger Things. Uh, Noah Sch- Schnap, Schnapp, Schnap, Schnapps. Schna- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went with Will Byer.
1: <laughs> Sean. Sean, um, I went with an eighteen-year-old Kiwi actor. Ah, uh, he was—he's going to be in Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh huh. Oh God. Um, he was in Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. and he had a prominent role in Hunt for the Wilder People. His name is Julian Dennison.
0: And he's right. 18 now. Yes. I know that because I picked an actor who was in uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, <laughs> Deadpool 2, and he's going to be in Godzilla vs. Versus, Godzilla versus <laughs> Kong. Oh, my God. He's, his name is Julian Dennison.
1: <laughs> How did that happen?
0: I don't know. And it's weird that we both picked a Kiwi for this role. And I was going to mention, it's okay because Russell Crowe is a Kiwi. (laughs) Of course. Next, we've got our final role for this film, and it is the role of Pearl. Had I known ahead of time, I definitely would have recast the drunk grandma instead of the mom. (laughs) Because she was awesome. She was definitely my favorite part of the movie. Uh, But Pearl was played by margot lee margot lee m-a-g-m-a-r-g-o lee i spelled it with a t on the calendar but i was remiss she was 59 at the time and uh she was more of a stage actress in australia but this is one of her final films and who was your pick for this chelsea
2: in my movie she'd be more present obviously and um i just i thought this movie was so fun and so i picked a fun actress i went with marissa tomei
0: oh hell yeah Oh, that would be good. How old is Marissa Tomei now? She's
2: in the age range. I always do my age range five years.
0: Five years in either direction?
2: No, no, no. Just two and a half years in either direction. Thank you. There you go. I'm
1: really
0: good at maths.
1: I went with a 58-year-old actress. She's been in The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Mm -hmm. In and Out, Mm -hmm. uh, Working Girl, as well as Gross Point Blank. I went with Joan Cusack. Oh, Wow.
0: That is awesome. Uh, I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, I think she brings the wackiness to it. Yes. Uh, She's super wacky. And I feel like she's underrated too. I feel like she should have had, she should have been a bigger star than her brother, who's one of my favorite actors. So it's my turn for Pearl. Yep. The actress that I picked is also Australian. She is in Silver Linings Playbook, Animal Kingdom, and Stage Mother. Her name is Jackie Weaver. Jackie Weaver is my pick for
1: Pearl. I think I know who you're talking about.
0: Yeah, she's she's actually, um, even though she's, oh, I didn't write it down. She's like 70-something. Uh, okay, she then. She looks much younger than she, she actually is. Yeah, she's awesome. you you remember the movie Silver Linings Playbook, yes. right? She's she's in that. Uh, we've talked about it. Do we give it didgeridoo's or didgeridoo's?
2: Uh, 100% didgeridoo. I give it a
1: didgeridoo. It's weird, wacky, and
2: fun.
0: I give it a didgeridoo as well and I recommend that you watch it. Right before you go to sleep and your melatonin's just kicking in. <laughs> and so it creates a really a kind of ethereal quality. A weird dreamscape. Yeah. Uh all right. So that's gonna bring us to our final bonus segment, mm. which is going to be Bell royale Yeah, that was right. Uh between Mick Crocodile Dundee, Max, Mad Max, Rokotansky and Steve the crocodile hunter Irwin.
2: Crikey, if y'all don't pick Steve Irwin, mm. we're going to be fighting.
0: So that's your pick.
2: Uh, yeah. 100%. 100%.
0: Is that your final answer?
2: Fucking final answer. He's so good. Uh-huh. This is not hard. No, 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 no,
1: no. <laughs> crocodile Dundee is uh, is is all right. Uh, uh, Steve Irwin, you know, he's got the benefit of the family around him. Bindi? Yes. Uh now all I'm gonna do is almost sneak up on him. He was no, the best. He 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 can handle Australian wildlife. But the fauna. But but I've seen Mad Max handle some crazy fucked mm-hmm. up oh shit. And uh I'm gonna have to go with Mad Max. You're going Mad well, Max.
2: Steve Irwin is real, and Mad Max is a fictitious character, so
0: uh so To be the odd man out, once again, I'm I'm going with Paul Hogan's iconic character of Mick Crocodile Dundee. You should
2: be fucking ashamed of yourself.
0: (laughs) I am. Oi.
2: That's horrible.
0: We're going to wrap it up. Chelsea, the regulator of the chop shop, I want to thank you for being here. Anything you want to plug?
2: The trivia question you're going to ask.
0: Well, we're not there yet.
2: <laughs> I know, but I'm still thinking about it. Okay.
0: So. Also, I want to thank my co-host and co-producer, yes. the man with the Nail plan. It. Anything you want to plug this week, sir? Counting.
2: Oh, also thanking your engineers. That's really nice.
0: That's what I just did.
2: I know. That's why I'm saying I'm plugging you. Also,
0: uh, we do want to talk about the... Uh, there's a... Thanksgiving Eve, there'll be a band. At oh, Seminar yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving yeah, Eve. yeah,
1: yeah. Thanksgiving Eve, get to the brewery. That's Seminar Brewing, SeminarBrewing.com. Jeb Mac Band. The Jeb we'll play. Mac Band's going to And
0: I talked to management, and they want me to continue to have trivia that night just do it outside, because we're supposed to have heaters by then. Oh, really? Yes. Well, that's exciting. All right. And, Sean, do you know what next week's episode is? Chinese movies. Chinese movies, or the films of China. And for the recasts. We picked, or I picked, uh, films from mainland China, but the Hong Kong cinema industry is huge. So that's fair game. That's on the table. That is definitely on the table. Uh, All right. So your sneak preview question and answer for next week's episode of Right Answers with Wrong Travers is going to be as follows. Motion pictures were introduced to China in 1856, one year after the invention of cinematography. China was one of the first countries to experience the medium due to what person sending his cameraman to Shanghai?
2: That's a way better way to ask it.
0: Lumiere. Louis Lumiere, who was one half of the Lumiere brothers who did um, a lot of the very early, early movies because they were actually manufacturers of Mm -hmm. the equipment that would go on to... Beating their the own
1: self interests.
0: Yeah, didn't they do the the one with the train you? where people thought the actual train was coming out yes. of the wall and they ran out of the? Thing. Oh yeah. yes they did. And there's also one about a galloping horse or something like that. That is your sneak preview question and answer. And we also want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of those Podcatcher apps. We are hosted online on Podbean. We're Cinema Chop Shop. We are at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. If you want to at me in particular, I'm Travis G. Allen on Twitter. Also, we're on Facebook. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. And our email is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. I got an email from The Googe. He wants us to do more top fives, more top five lists of whatevers. And then also the one, two, three beers that we checked in today will be checked in on Untapped U-N-T-A-P-P-D, and... Finally, we want to remind you, of course, the Black Lives Matter, to wear a mask, and to count every vote. And please, please remember to watch, chop, retrofit. <laughs>